Well, good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing all right? I love, I love hearing stories about how God does some restoration in people's lives. It's always amazing to see God take things that are broken, like so many of us as we walked into a relationship with God. We are in a broken place, and God puts those things back together in such an incredible, incredible way. And, and the Berkheimer story is definitely a story of God showing up and showing off in a pretty profound way, separated for almost a year, and God restoring them. It's incredible. It was cool seeing them walk in. They were actually wa- walked in, which isn't cool. They were wearing matching uh, Pittsburgh Steelers jerseys today. And so I don't... Somewhere they lost their way around God, but uh, it's, it's really amazing. I, I love hearing the stories of, of what God is doing in people's lives. And we said from the very beginning, our church has never been about uh, uh, buildings. It's never been about services. It's never been about great music. It's never been about good teaching. It's always been about one thing, and, and that one thing is, is it's always been about people. Like, how do we reach more people? How do we impact more people? How do we get out there and, and do those things in life? And so we've been in this series called Immeasurably More over the last couple of weeks. And, and if you missed last weekend, I know some of you guys came here. We tried to communicate as best that we possibly could that the school board had shut down the school, but we got to have one service all together, or actually multiple services all together at our Pompano Beach campus last weekend. It was a great time. If you missed last weekend's message, I want to tell you what Shayla threw down. Uh, it was an incredible, incredible message. And if you want to be encouraged and inspired, go back on our website, listen to that message, watch it online. It was absolutely incredible. But we began this series and we talked about how immeasurably more is not just something that God has done in people's lives, but it's something that God is doing right now. We we started this series off by saying like we're in an immeasurably more moment as a church. This earlier this year, we purchased 7.29 acres of land out in Parkland, Florida and and right now we are moving forward on beginning the process of trying to build out there. And so we said that over the next 12 to 18 months, we, we have about a $3.5 million construction project that's getting ready to start sometime next year. But until that starts, we need to raise about $1.2 million of that $3.5 million. If we're going to go into Parkland, which has no evangelical Christian churches, and reach more people for Jesus. And I believe that God has brought us to this point. He's bringing us to this moment. And that means means that over the next couple of months, we have to raise a half a million dollars by the end of this year to get us started on that project. That's what we've said. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've talked to you about how next weekend we're doing what we're calling a miracle offering. We're believing God for a miracle because how many of y'all know $500,000 is a lot of money? Anybody else believe that? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you can just write the check, Coastal Community Church, because apparently that's a big deal to you. That's a big deal. 500, that's a lot of money. And so like, like I know that that's going to take a miracle for God to do that. And so what we've done is we've been asking you guys to pray. This week, there's some offering envelopes in your worship gods. Take that this week and, and take some time and pray. And this is what we'd ask. We'd just ask that you would ask God what he would have you to do. We don't, we're not asking you to give. We're asking you to ask God, listen to his voice, and then just be responsive to whatever he says to do. 
And, and we believe that God will show up and show off in a really amazing way. In fact, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was sitting with a business guy in our church, and, and we were talking about the project. He's really excited about it. And uh, in the middle of the conversation, he goes, TJ, just stop. And I'm like, stop. Did I say something? And he goes, listen, my wife and I have been praying. We, we think we've heard from God. And so uh, here is, is a check for $100,000 of the 500 that we need for this building project. So... Here's the good news. We don't need 500 anymore. We only need 400. 20% of it is already done. So, so next weekend, let's take care of the rest of it so that we can go into this next year with, with guns blazing, built, getting ready to do everything that we need to do. And I believe that God's going to show up and show off over the next couple of weeks. So just pray, ask God what he would have you to do. We've been in this series immeasurably more. And it started with this verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, Imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we've been talking about how we have this God that is able to do way more than we could ever think or imagine. He's able, just like we showed in the video with the Burke Harbors, he's able to do way more than we can think or imagine in our marriages. He's able to do way more than we can think or imagine in, in our friendships and relationships. He's able to do way more than we can think or imagine when it comes to our finances. He's able to do way more than we can think or imagine when it comes to our work situations. We have this God who can absolutely blow our minds. And he, not only is he able to, but he's willing to. And most of the time, he's just waiting on us. And so we've been talking about that process and what does that look like? What is he waiting on from us? And so this verse, a lot of times we see the word amen. We think, oh, Paul's done with this thought. That's the end of a prayer. But, but what that is saying is, is we see it as chapter and verse, and this is the end of chapter three. And so chapter four is a totally different thought. But in his day, he just wrote one letter, and this would have been one continuation of a thought. And so we're going to continue his thought of immeasurably more, and we're going to be looking at what I believe is going to be the X factor in all of us experiencing immeasurably more in our lives. And so in chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, this is what it says. It says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. And I believe that God wants us to attain the full measure of the fullness of all that he has for us. And, and so we're going to break this down here a little bit. But let me ask this question first. How many of you guys are, are directionally challenged in life? Like you have trouble with directions. I mean, it's difficult for you. A couple people were honest about it. They're like, I'm just not good at it. I, I'm somebody like, I know my way around Broward County. I can figure my way around anywhere. Uh, like you put me anywhere. I'm good. I'll, I'll figure my way out. Now, now, if you take me out of a driving scenario and you like put me in the middle of Sawgrass Mills Mall and you told me to find my way out, like I'm lost for a year. Anybody else with me? Anybody have some trouble at Sawgrass Mills? Most of us do. In fact, I remember the first time I went to Sawgrass Mills Mall. I didn't live in Broward and I stopped there. I parked my car. I walked in literally for five hours. I was lost in Sawgrass Mills. I went in circles around and around five hours. Now, I like shopping, so it was okay. But you know how I found my car? I actually got walked outside of Sawgrass Mills and walked all the way around until I found my car. That's a bad day. 
The shopping was good. The walking was bad. But uh, like directionally challenged. In fact, two weeks ago, I, I was uh, right after our, our service over in Pompano, I took off. I had this uh, 50th wedding uh, anniversary that they were going to do a vow renewal service. And I was like, man, I want to be a part of a 50th vow renewal. I'll, I'll go do it. And it was all the way down in Kendall. And so I was like, man, I've been to Kendall like once in my life. And so I jumped in my car. I told Siri, anybody else use Siri to like get around? Like, man, like sometimes she's awesome. And so I'm like, Siri, take me to this address. And so we start driving. We're going down. We get into Kendall and she like takes me back into some random neighborhood. I'm going to a restaurant and I'm like in the middle of some neighborhood and she ends, I end up at a house and I'm like, this is the wrong place. And I start arguing with Siri. Anybody else argued with Siri? She is frustrating. Eventually, I just turned her off, and I went to Google Maps. Thank goodness for Google Maps. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How, what, what do we do before Google? I mean, we were just, we were in shambles. And, and so, like, Google got me to my place, and I was like, thank goodness. Luckily, it was a Hispanic service, so they were starting late anyway, so it didn't matter that I showed up. It's just true. Just true. We just preach the truth here at Coastal. 100% truth. If they say 2 o'clock, that means 4, okay? Uh, <laughs> but have any of you guys ever followed somebody somewhere and come to realize they don't have a clue where they're going? Yeah, we all have it. Like when you, after you realize that, you're like, why the heck did I listen to that person? Like, why did I ever take their advice? Like, why was I ever following them in life? Some of y'all have followed some advice to date some people, and you're like, why in the world did I ever listen to you when you recommend people when you've been single all your life? You're not a good recommender, recommender, whatever that word is, (laughs) recommender of people. We're just gonna make stuff up today, okay? I would submit to you that following the right people, having the right relationships, following the right leadership, I I truly believe that what Paul is saying here is, is that is an X factor in all of us experiencing immeasurably more in life. And and these verses tell us what good leadership and what good relationships will do in our life to help us achieve immeasurably more. And so we're going to look at a couple of key words out of chapters uh, Chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And if you're taking notes, the first words that we're going to look at is the word to prepare. And uh, in fact, I want you to circle that word prepare. And it means to empower, to furnish, to equip. In fact, that's the only time that the word, that word prepare is actually used in the New Testament. And so let me explain it like this. I love talking to, to women that are pregnant and, and women that just have given birth. They, like they have a newborn in their home as I'm watching a, a, a lady hold her young child in the back. And, and like I love having conversations with them because when people are pregnant, they're excited about the potential of what's gonna happen. And so what do they do in that moment? They start preparing. They start reading all the books they can about parenting. How many of y'all know the books don't work? Like they tell you all this. You start... You start 
planning out your time schedule. Like, they're going to wake up at this time. They're going to eat at this time. They're going to sleep at this time. I'm going to stick to this. Growing kids God's way, that crap doesn't work. And, and so, like, you come up with all these thoughts and ideas, and then you have the baby, and when they walk in, when a mom walks in that just had a baby, that joy that she had before when she was completely prepared is taken away by bags under her eyes because she has not slept in 72 hours because that kid will not stop crying and eating all the time. Is that right, moms? Am I correct in that? Like every mom is like, yes. They wonder why child abuse happens when you shake them. You know, it's like, (laughs) come on, you know it's true. You want to do that? No, you're a liar. You think you're prepared for that moment, but when reality comes, it's like, oh man, I didn't have any idea what was coming. And I think the same thing is true. A lot of us have an idea of we're prepared. We think, oh man, I'm ready to serve. I'm mature in my faith. But then when reality hits, we come to realize that, man, I don't, I'm not really that mature in my faith. Like when the situations arise and you thought, man, I, I have all this great faith. I'm, I have all this strength in God and, and the crap hits the fan. All of a sudden, like that faith in God is, is, is kind of falling apart. Why is that? Like how does that take place? Why does that take place? Because for a lot of us, we think we know what we're doing. We have this perception that we know what we're doing, but we don't really have a clue. And see, the role of good people in your life, the role of good leadership in your life, the role of good mentors in your life is to equip you for your purpose in life. It's to help you through those moments where you don't have any clue. And good leadership and good relationships, they prepare you. They help equip and walk you through those moments so that you can experience all that God has called you to. Because a lot of those moments are the moments where we trip up and we fall down and we miss out on exactly what God wants to do because we give up in those moments. But what good leadership will do is it will continue to push on you and prepare you. That's what the Christ's body is here to do. And, and so a lot of us think, well, when we read this, we're like, what is, what is God trying to equip us for? And we totally miss it because we think that it's about us learning Bible verses and Bible stories. And that's great. But talking King James to people isn't going to help you in life. So what is God trying to prepare us for? What is God trying to equip us for? And, and I would submit to you that he tells us exactly what God is trying to prepare you for. It's this idea God is trying to prepare you for for service. He's trying to prepare you not to be served, but to serve others. Proper equipping will always take us from a serve us mentality to a service mentality. And so many people, they walk into the church, they walk into life and they think, God, take care of me, do this for me. And it's all about me, myself, and I. In fact, we, we kind of show our maturity a lot in our prayers. If your prayer is 90% about you, how mature are you really? And so, so God is trying to flip the script on us a little bit. He's trying to get us to realize it's not about us being, uh, uh, being served, but it's about us serving other people. And there's some people here that have figured out, man, there, there's all kinds of people here that serve consistently at our church that are, uh, got it going on when it comes to service. Does that mean that they don't have any problems in life? Heck no, they got 99 problems. 
They got tons of problems. I got problems. You got problems. The difference is, is they realize that their life isn't just consumed by their problems, but they can do something about their problems. See, because what happens is when you start serving, you take your focus off of you and start putting it on others, and all of a sudden your problems start to look pretty insignificant in life. Yeah, like two people have served, and they they understand that. (laughs) You should talk to these ladies up front here after church. They might be able to teach you something. See, and and Jesus taught us this mentality right at the end of his life. He kind of left us with some of the most important things. I know people say the most important things at the end of life, the things they want people to remember. And it was at the Last Supper that this story happened in John chapter 13. It says that just as it was before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He knew that he was about to die and go to the cross and, and have the ultimate sacrifice. And so Jesus is going to this place, and so he's, he's giving his last words, his last rites, in essence, to his disciples. And he said, having loved his own as who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. And I love that phrase there. He was about to show them the full extent of his love. If you want to understand what true love is, this is how Jesus expressed love. It says the evening meal was being served, so he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And see, washing the disciples' feet, that was the job uh, of the lowest person on the totem pole, the lowest servant. And so every disciple would have walked in this house and they would have seen that basin. They would have said, oh, that's for somebody else. Oh, that's for somebody else. Oh, that's for somebody else. Because they put themselves up on a pedestal and Jesus looked, looked around and realized that nobody had their feet washed. And so he goes, you know what? I'm not too big that I won't get down and wash other people's feet. And he says he literally removed his outer clothing, which was a sign of his authority, which was a sign of his stature in the community. And he got down to the lowest level that was possibly there, the lowest level of a servant. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, You have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done. I tell you this, the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I love how Jesus ends that. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's not about just having a whole bunch of information. It's not about here coming here every week and consuming information and learning more about God. It's about actually applying that information to your life. Why am I not experiencing the blessing of God? Because you, you know all about it, but you haven't done it. It says, when you do it, you'll be blessed. 
Reminds me of a couple months ago, uh, we, Shayla and I were at Winn-Dixie right up here on Sample and 441, and we were at two separate checkout lanes because I was buying something for something, and she was buying something for something else, and so she went to the lane with people because she likes talking to people. I went to the self-checkout so that way I didn't have to deal with anybody, and, and so I go through, and I, I, of course, I get through faster because uh, she's having a conversation with the lady over there, and I finish up. I pack up my groceries. I go over to her cart. I put them in and realize I forgot my receipt. I walk back over to the self checkout lane, grab my receipt, and there is, is an uh, elderly lady that's probably 80 years young there at the self-checkout, should not be at the self-checkout lane. She has no clue what's going on there. She's like hitting every button, just trying to figure it out, and she looks at me, and she goes, are you the bag boy? Now, last time I checked, I don't look like a bag boy, but uh, I looked at this lady and I realized she didn't have a clue and I said, you know what, ma'am, today I'm your bag boy. And, and so uh, we proceeded to do her groceries and then she had the credit card with the chip. We didn't know what to do with that, slide it, stick it in. Who knows what to do? I mean, you talk about a confusing situation for an elderly person. That is not set up for them to win. And so we finally get done. I bag her groceries. She's there and she goes, well, are you going to take them out to the car? And I go, of course I am. And so I pick up her groceries and we go out to her car. She opens up her trunk. I put them in. I slam the door. She she tries to tip me. And I go, ma'am, at Winn-Dixie, we don't take tips. <laughs> and she drove off and probably hit seven cars. I don't know what happened at that point, but like I went back inside and I was like, Shayla, you're never going to believe. I was just some old lady's bag boy. That was awesome. <laughs> like I got more joy out of bagging groceries at Winn-Dixie than I do working at a church most of the time. Why? Because it's not just having all the information. It's actually applying it in life. See, he prepares us for service so that we can be built up. See, the next fill in the blank there is built up so that we may be built up, which means that we would be more able in life. It refers to our ability. He's saying, man, I want to give you more ability, not just so you can have more ability, but so you can have more ability to serve other people in life. Now, where are all my workout people at? Workout people, where are you at? Workout, healthy people, healthy people. Okay, okay, we need to work on this, church. Got to work on this. Love working out. This is what I know after working out for the, the past year pretty regularly is that the only way you make your muscles stronger is by working them out. Like they don't get stronger just by thinking about working out. I wish that was the case. They don't get stronger by, by wishing they were bigger. They only get bigger and stronger when you work them. Here's the idea. When you serve, you are actually working out your faith. See, the only way for your faith to get bigger is to actually put it into action. Why is it my faith growing? Like, why do I not? Why am I going through this situation? Why am I not believing God more? Well, when is the last time you actually put your faith into action? In fact, James chapter, uh, I believe it's two, it says this. You see Abraham's faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. 
You want to make your faith complete? You got to put some action to it. So you want to get stronger in life? Listen, you can go home today. You can go put P90X or Insanity on the TV, pop that in a DVD player, hit play, sit down on your couch. It doesn't matter how hard Tony Horton or Sean T works out. If you're sitting on your couch, it will do nothing for you. Just side note, if I ever see Sean T, I'm punching him in the throat. Anybody else with me? Have you done that insanity? Like, that dude is insane. Have you noticed that he never works out? He just walks around and talks. It's messed up. I've seen his, I've seen his skill, but he's got abs, so he can do whatever he wants. But uh, <laughs> Listen, if you want your muscles to grow, you actually have to pick yourself up off the couch, and you can't just know all the terminology and go, hey, that's a squat right there. Oh, they're doing arm curls. Yeah, yeah. They're doing pull-ups. You know what you have to do? You actually have to get off the couch and you got to start doing some squats. You got to start getting low. You got to start doing some curls. You got to start doing some pull-ups if you want to see your muscles grow because the only way your muscles are going to grow is if you work them. The only way your faith is going to grow is not by knowing every Bible story. That's great. When have you applied that Bible story? That word complete means to make perfect, to bring to fulfillment. Listen, your faith doesn't become complete by me preaching at you every week. Your faith doesn't get complete because you went to Pastor Steve and Katie's uh, parenting small group. Yeah, you can go to that, but that isn't making your faith complete. It's not until you start applying the principles of their parenting group that it's going to start to complete your faith. It's not until you, it's great, man, that was a great message. When's the last time you applied it? completeness happens when our actions are involved. Listen, some of the weakest Christians I've ever seen are educated way beyond their level of serving. And some of the strongest Christ followers I've ever seen serve way beyond their understanding. He says it's, it's about us reaching this unity in the faith and becoming mature. He wants to complete us. He wants to build us up so that we can eventually become this mature follower of Christ. That's the goal for every single one of us. In fact, in that verse there, I want you to circle the words reach and become. Because they both literally mean to stretch or to reach out towards something. And and they use the word until you become until you reach. And the reason they use the word until is because it means as long as you're still alive, there's still an opportunity or there's still a challenge. There's still a place for you to become what God has called you to be. There's still an opportunity for you to experience God's immeasurably more in your life. There's still an opportunity for you to grow that faith that he's given you. But you got to be willing to do some things differently if you're going to do that. Because what he wants for us is to become mature. And the, the word mature there, the synonym for that is the word uh, uh, genuine. If we're going to reach maturity in our faith, we're going to have to be in these genuine, authentic relationships with one another where, and where, we're, where we're being real and we're being honest. We're not putting on the facade of we've got it all going on when somebody greets you. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm blessed and highly favored. And your car just broke down on the way. No, you're not. You're broken, got a broken car, it's okay. We gotta get real here. 
Stop playing the game because the reality is, is when you're faking it, you just, you're just exposing the blind spots that you have because every single one of us have blind spots. We all have areas where, where we're oblivious to them and we think we got it going on where we really don't. And the reason we do that is because we allow our emotions in our heart and, and we're told all the time that we're special and everything's perfect in our lives. And that's just not true. How many of you guys are living perfect lives right now? There's not a single hand. Okay, we're in the right church. I got blind spots in my life. I got areas that I jack up all the time. Want to know why? Because Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful above all else. My heart messes me up all the time. When I listen to my heart, it always leads me to bad places. I'm so thankful that I have pastors in my life. I have, I, I, I'm a pastor just like you are. I, I have pastors that, that call me out of my junk, that help me see the blind spots in my life. Because there are so many times, man, I'm about to train wreck my life. And particularly my pastor, Randy Bazette, man, that guy can point right at me and go, man, if you don't check yourself right now, TJ, you're going to wreck yourself. You're going to mess things up. And you got to have some people that you trust enough that allow to do that in your life. No holds barred. Listen, our church... Man, uh, uh, the leadership here, we're not perfect. We don't make every decision right. We don't get everything done right all the time. We don't always say things the right way. Hence the emails I get from some of you guys about how I talk. It's okay. But listen, our church isn't perfect. I'm glad our church isn't perfect. You want to know why our church isn't perfect? Turn to your neighbor, look at them in the face right now. Look at them in the face and say, it's not perfect because of you. Because <laughs> you showed up. You're jagged up just like I'm jagged up. And you showed up and two jagged up people make things really worse. But even as jagged up as we are, man, we got to be willing to be mature. we got to be willing to be authentic with one another. I love what 1 Peter 3.8 says. It says, and now this word to you all. You should be like one big happy family, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. He says, man, we should be like one big happy family. Because here's what I know. Thanksgiving's coming up. Christmas is coming up. We're going to have family gatherings. And every single one of us, we have that family gathering. We always have that aunt or that uncle or that cousin that we're like, where the heck did they come from? Like, who birthed that person? Like, they do not fit this family. They say the wrong thing. They eat the wrong time. They, they show up. They're loud. They're boisterous. You're like, they don't fit in my family. And if you don't know who that is in your family, let me just tell you something. That's you. <laughs> but you invite them every Christmas. You invite them every Thanksgiving. Why? They're family. You look past the differences. You look past the annoying things. You might talk about them a little bit behind their back. It's not really godly, but we do. But you love them anyways. And God loves us anyways. I really believe, man, if you look around, these people that are around you, they're the X factor when it comes to you living out the immeasurably more in your life. It says, until we reach. It says, until we stretch, until we're willing to stretch 
into some relationships and we're willing to go a little bit deeper than we've ever gone, are we going to experience more than we've ever experienced before in life? Until we're willing to be a little bit more vulnerable, until we're willing to be a little bit more real. Because listen, we can, we can love people where they are. We don't have to accept where they are, but we can love them where they are. That's what keeping unity does. Of what Psalms 133 says. It says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity, when we're in a family. That's what it's talking about. For unity is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. There the Lord has pronounced his blessing even life everlasting and the oil there represents the holy spirit and it starts at the head and it flows down it starts in our church community it starts at the head of the church it starts with our overseers and our trustees and our elders and our our staff and it flows down as long as we stay healthy it flows down to the church the same thing is true in your family is the mother and father as they're healthy and they're pursuing god it's going to flow down their kids and grandkids same thing is true in a business as the executive teams are in unity and on the same point it's going to flow down to the employees it's going to flow down to the customers same thing is true on a team when they're in unity man it all flows down that's why you see Notre Dame stinking right now because they don't have any unity and they're terrible but when we as a body of Christ reach make the decision to stretch out for unity and get connected to God we experience the whole measure of what he wants to do. In fact, he says in, in, in that last verse, he says the fullness of Christ. And that word Greek, the Greek word there is for fullness is plethroma, meaning that which fills something. A lot of times we think that that's, it's talking about, oh man, we'll be full. But what it's actually talking about is it's talking about the thing that does the filling. It's not talking about us as a cup being full. It's talking about the thing that fills the cup. In fact, I have a, I have a cup right here. It's a big gulp from, from 7-Eleven. It's massive. It's like 64 ounces. That would be awesome for coffee, probably not soda. Next week, I'm going to drink this before church. You should come. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and here's the thing. Like, at the, at the filling station, at, at, at there, like, the cup doesn't naturally just become full. You got to go to the station to get full. The station is the one that does the filling. The problem is, is a lot of us, we have a cup, it's called our life. And the problem is, is we've filled our cup up with us. And there's nothing for the station to fill because it's already full. And so what God says is, man, if we want to experience immeasurably more, we've got to empty our cup of ourselves. That's what it's all about, a service mentality, not a serve us. We've got to pour ourselves out. And when we get empty, we go to the drink station. You know what happens? He fills us up. But you can't be full until you're poured out. And for some of us, it means that we got to get past ourselves today. It's not about us being servants. It's about us serving God by serving others, pouring ourselves out so we can go back to the station, which is the Holy Spirit, and get full of God again so that we can go back out and pour ourselves out again. The great thing about God is that He gives free refills. That's good news today. Some of you guys are dry and you're empty and you're wondering, man, what's going on? Man, God wants to fill you up today. He wants to fill you up. Let's pray. God, we just come before you and we thank you that you're a God who fills us up.
And so many times we get a mentality that it's all about us when really, God, it's all about you.